now uh, it seems like um, everything is um, spinning faster and faster and faster and faster. That is Michel Langevin, known to the world as Away, longtime drummer of the veteran French-Canadian thrash metal band Voivod, one of the most celebrated and enduring musical acts to come out of Quebec, certainly when it comes to metal. So this is the first part of an almost three and a half hour long interview where Away went in depth on the dystopian sci-fi themes that have defined the band's work, their early 80s origins in the industrial city of Jonquière, the numerous lineup changes over the four decades of the band's history, a lost album he plans on releasing, his biggest career regret, and a whole lot more. I'm Sabi, your host, and this is Feedback Def. Feedback Def is brought to you in partnership with 19th and 7th, a convenient one-stop shop that serves all your needs as an independent artist. The 19th and 7th team specializes in publicity, project management, radio promotion, video and music production, Spotify and YouTube optimization, digital marketing, photography, art direction, merch and physical media rollout, and more. Whether you're at the idea phase or whether you've got a finished product that you're ready to share with the world, let 19th and 7th help nurture and guide your vision. 19th and 7th. The next step in your career starts with us. Visit 19th and 7th online at 19thand7th.com. How are you, uh, Michel speaking? Yes, of course. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's so much ground to cover here. It's almost like inevitable that we'll end up missing certain aspects of what we could talk about. <laughs> I'm used to it. <laughs> okay, okay. So I do want to talk about the live record, but I wanted to start a little more generally. Back in the <laughs> 80s, when you imagined a dystopian future, being fans of sci-fi and, and looking ahead as much as you were, h- how close were the things you imagined to what we're actually experiencing now? Um, well, uh, certain things came faster than expected, but back then um, I was reading a lot of um, scientific magazines like Discover and Omni, and and um, I was throwing some ideas at Snake and uh, and and they were trying to predict the future twenty twenty five years down the road. So a lot of the stuff um, um, happened. Um, and um, well, it's funny because it's also sort of a, a recurring nightmare where back then we were uh, shocked by let's say the Chernobyl accident, but not that not that long ago we have. Fukushima and so and uh, and and also in the 80s um, um, we had uh, there were a lot lot of, con- lot of concerns with the ozone layer but uh, and now it's um, it, uh, it's still very um, uh, uh, environmental uh, what's going on and so um, it seems like um, I would say starting in uh, 
around 20 years ago uh, when we we jumped into the next century i really felt like the sci-fi had caught us uh, caught, caught up with us uh, of course now um, with the, the the pandemic situation and all that and um, what's going on politically uh, it seems like um, everything is um, spinning faster and faster and faster and faster so and we we are wit- we are witnessing uh, the whole thing through the internet which was not the case back then so everything is so immediate um it's it's a, it's it's getting harder to to be um futuristic <laughs> lyrically wise you know these days because it's it, it, we're living the sci-fi scenario right now so i don't even know if i if i answered the question but oh absolutely you did and you know because when you listened to records like killing technology in the 80s mm-hmm. and other expressions from thrash bands nuclear assault i mean so many different bands you know the, that was part of the, the thrill was it, this anxiety about this uncertain future and then also this this overhanging fear of like nuclear annihilation mm-hmm. yep yep uh the uh, the um uh the nuclear situation um really influenced us um and um, so we sort of uh, focused on high-tech weaponry um, because it's the scariest part. And um, uh, so um, now with um, AI mixed in and drones, and um, it's it's really like um, it's getting closer to what I was experiencing when I was, let's say, I was going to the th- uh, to the cinema to watch the early uh, cyberpunk movies, you know, Mad Max and Blade Runner and so um, and Terminator and so um, uh, yeah, it's um, uh, it's I think the 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 uh, the war aspect of uh, what's going on on uh, this planet, you know, uh, it's always, uh, uh, not that we became obsessed with it, but uh, it's always been important to us to uh, to talk about it, even though it was true sci-fi folktale sort of, but we were re- we've always been worried about um, uh, war in general. And um, for a while in the 90s, I was talking about... Uh, nuclear war still but people were it seemed like people were thinking it was retro and um, out of date and but i was thinking no the weapons are still there and it's getting even more technological and all that eventually it came back to the uh, into the headlines with uh, north korea and iran and but um for a while it, it seemed like people didn't think about it that much well, and the instinct, the human instinct to really push our luck as far as putting so much attention and energy and research and military uh, focus on inventing these weapons that so easily would, if used, be out of our hands, like we wouldn't be able to control what the effect would be. And that's that's sort of the most interesting thing is that we haven't really gotten anywhere <laughs> as far as that part of it. <laughs> and and also, 
it's um, it's it's um, getting scarier on an, uh, another level where um, if the whole grid um, falls down, you know, um, um, who knows how people are going to react and all that. So um, uh, what I mean is like, uh, we, we we heard a, a lot about what if uh, people start throwing nuclear bombs on top of each other and um, it's out of control and all that. But also, um, I don't know if you remember, the, I think it was called Stuxnet or like, um, uh, like okay, there are like um, um, uh, computer viruses that are totally out of control out there and um, uh, expanding and all that. So that's another uh, an side of the whole thing that be, uh, most people um, are unaware of. And but uh, if uh, I mean there are other ways to attack a country's uh, country uh, than uh, throwing bombs, you know. And so uh, so it's uh, getting scary on all levels, but. Uh, I'm not a, the type to uh, worry about it the whole um, every day, the whole day, and all that. You know, I mean, uh, I want to enjoy. I want to enjoy life. You know, so. But it, it's, um, yeah, it, it's uh, definitely um, um, a technological world we live in. So um, it, it, it's we. Uh, it's actually. Um, I mean, for the past decades, you know, it's been accelerating so much. It's actually intriguing that we were born at that at this specific time in hum, human history, you know, to witness it. Uh, it's um, I, I find, in a way, I find myself lucky to watch the world go uh, at at such an accelerated. Pace, even though it's scary, but it's. Uh, I'm just happy that uh, I was born in an era where you can go online and watch it, uh, watch it evolve and all that. So, and also, um, I'm able to use um, since the mid '80s uh, digital art to express uh, the voice of music uh, visually. You know, and so. I always found myself lucky that uh, um, I could uh, use such amazing tools to uh, to do my art. Right, because the Voivod character is, at least since Dimension Hatros, or maybe even earlier, um, a fusion. It's like a creature that became a organic mechanical hybrid like interfa- like a, a creature that exists in a fusion of like a, a real world and a digital world yeah yeah and a, a, a creature that wants to evolve faster than everybody else so he can control uh, these people so in a way um, uh, was ne- the, the character was never a hero it, it represented oppression quite a f- on quite a few albums uh, and you know, with Dimension Hatros, you really took that um, sort of Tron idea of going into a computer network and finding an existing universe or life within that, within the, the circuitry, within a server. And you guys took that, obviously, like exponentially further than, than the film did. 
on that record. And, and that touches on what you're saying, where there are these almost like these life forms that we have no comprehension of, <laughs> that we have unleashed in mm-hmm. a way. Well, a, a dimension atrocity um, was really about um, when um, I had read that um, um, with particle accelerators, they, um, they can create what seemed like micro big bangs. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I immediately uh, thought about the, the Voiva creating a micro galaxy to uh, study the evolution. And again, uh, it was fun with, uh, to sit down with Snake and try to figure um, the, the concepts and lyrics. And in um, that time, we, uh, we, we, um, we all lived together uh, downtown Montreal and uh, Piggy and Blackie took care of the music park, and Snake and I took care of the the, the stories, and um, and um, uh, so we we um, we thought it'd be interesting to again reflect what what was going on on this planet, but with uh, uh, different characters in a parallel galaxy, uh, parallel uh, dimension, sort of, and. Um, um, my take on that is um, um, again um, it, it's it's a repeating story uh, where on Dimension Atros when the the Voivod character observes the um, what's going on uh, there um, there are um, like uh, totalitarian governments t- uh, terrorists religious wars. Uh, all that stuff, and um, so it just uh, it, it just tells you that things don't really change, except that they are evolving uh, on a higher level of technology, and which is the worst recipe <laughs> ever. <laughs> So, so to flip this to, to sort of what you were getting at, where you said you, you don't you don't feel anxious about it all, every day, um, Snake's story on the wake, at least as far as I understand it, kind of goes in the opposite direction from dystopia towards some sort of paradigm shift where we would evolve as a result of some like life-altering events, right? Or some, some grand revelation of truth is the way he, he explained it. I mean, I don't think I have a full grasp on, but it, it seemed to point in the opposite direction, not towards um, destruction necessarily, but towards some sort of waking up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, of course, Nick could tell you more about it, but it, it, uh, it, it it's... Definitely a bit more spiritual and um, uplifting, and um, um, although it has all the dystopian uh, ingredients um, um, 
included, you know, <laughs> in the mix. Um, and um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, um, it's still uh, a, the wake is still a dark sci-fi album, um, but um, it might be uh, some some bits of it might be um, a bit uh, uh, happier, a bit like Angel Rat or. But uh, when uh, in the end, it's um, I always find that um, the, the voice of music is always a bit melancholic. Um, but uh, definitely, um, uh, I mean, uh, Snake. Um, I think that um, even I think he went for more a more of a, for, um, for a more positive uh, view, um, and I was asking him about. Um, what he what he's what he is writing right now um because uh, of the situation and uh, the covid uh, situation and, and he says he's not really paying attention at all because it, it makes him too depressed so i'm not sure if the next album uh, we're writing right now will have anything to do with uh, the pandemic at all uh, so uh, i think he um um he, he probably has um um a way of approaching lyrics that's that's a bit different than back in the days when we were like totally into hardcore music and uh, protest uh, punk and all that so um i don't know it's um again uh, I'm, I'm it's hard for me to to uh to speak on snake's behalf regarding the, regarding that Sure. Well, I just mean in in a more general sense because I because just generally speaking, I wonder how much hope. How hopeful are you that human beings? You know, you mentioned AI. How, how hopeful are you that we as a species are capable of shifting into some harmonious relationship, not only with nature but with the technology we've invented that sort of is assuming its own nature. Hmm. Um, and then we can talk about the live album. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I um, I don't know. I, um, I the, the past couple of years, I started thinking that maybe w- we humans don't have what it needs to make it, um, just because of our profound nature. Uh, um we tend to uh, destroy everything so um hmm i don't know every year we keep we keep hearing that the planet has tipped towards a point of no return um, and blah 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 so i i don't really f- again you know i um I'm not. I'm not really sure if all of this end of the world scenario um, is going to happen while I'm alive. Uh, so um, I try to do my best uh, in on my on my part. You know, um, in terms of um, recycling, but um, uh, I just um, well. I'm really lucky to have music and I can also draw and um, that 
takes a lot of my uh, anxiety away from uh, from all that, and I, I usually um, um, I, I usually um, like let's say um, uh, this year um, um, early in uh, well we came back from uh, a, a Euro tour with Guar last year and uh, right before Christmas and uh, then uh, we took some time off and then in January and February February we uh, we decided to uh, write some stuff and uh, did some jams improvised and recorded everything and uh, so in uh, mid March um, everything shut down. And we couldn't rehearse anymore, and uh, so um, we decided to um, write the album while socially distancing, uh, using Logic Pro and all that. And also, um, we uh, decided to uh, dig through the um, uh, the live material we had recorded last year, which which turned into the End of Dormancy EP recorded at the Jazz Fest in Montreal and. In November, we're releasing a full on, a full show uh, recorded at the Summer Fest in Quebec City, also last year. Uh, so, all that all that um, catching up with um, projects, you know, uh, really took my mind away from uh, what's going on, and uh, and I had to draw the art for the live album. Uh, I do, uh, so, um, uh, in a way, you know. Uh, I'm really lucky to have the Voivod project to uh, just so uh, I mean just just to play drums. You wouldn't imagine how much uh, stress is getting away just while playing drums. So um, um, of course now um, uh, that the, uh, all the the, the re- rehearsal space are closed and everything, I can't play drums anymore. But uh, at least. I get to um, to work on the demos uh, with the guys. Um, w- uh, I have to program the drums for the demos, but uh, it's still uh, music to listen to and to work on. And um, we we also um, decided to finish a movie that we had started way back. Um, uh, and uh, Felipe, who did the death uh, documentary, is doing the Voivod documentary. There's a book in the work. So um, uh, we decided to move forward and not wait. And Because uh, we had a world tour um, planned uh, this year, but it's been postponed till next year, but who knows. So we just kept moving and moving and moving. And um, uh, so it, it, it's perfect uh, for me to... Uh, uh, as a, uh, the Voivod project is really, per- it's always been perfect uh, to uh, just uh, get away in my mind and uh, do some art and music. Right. I mean, it's a for people that can do it. It's a, it's been a good time to do some housekeeping. You know, like with things like oh yeah, what you're talking mm-hmm. about, like archival projects and things like that. Exactly, exactly. And on my end, you know, I, I. Um, um, I decided to scan all my art I do on the road and uh, to to, um, to to do some publications to, uh, to, and make it available online. So I'm building a, a web store should be uh, ready in a couple of weeks. And I already had my first. Uh, I already ha- I have a book printed that's uh, waiting to uh, to get there uh, uh, to get out there. And um, 
so yeah, it's been a, a good year for me to catch up with a lot of stuff uh, as well. Um, and what what are you gonna do? You know, so uh, it's um, uh, didn't um, we seem to be busier than ever the last few months. Scott Ian from Anthrax and Andreas from Sepultura said the same thing while they were talking mm-hmm. to each other. Like, oh, I'm home all the time, and I'm strangely more busy than I than I had been. But the, the, you know, it seems like this is giving people an opportunity to do the things that they were too quote unquote busy mm-hmm. running around to do. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, also, we give it a shot at um, uh, playing a, um, an online show. Right. Uh, right. And it went super well. Uh, and so we're we're probably gonna. Um, uh, do more of these uh, this winter. Um, let's we're gonna play specific albums, and um, so that uh, that's um, there is um, still um, a way to get together uh, downtown Montreal and um, in a studio and um, and rehearse with uh, sanit- sanitary uh, protocols, mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, it's doable. Uh, we we can. Uh, rent a place to rehearse still. So, um, yeah, we're, we're uh, planning some of that stuff as well. So I, w- I would imagine that you're about due for some kind of box set or something at some point. I know I know the band's 40th anniversary. I actually thought it was next year, but it's three years from now, um, mm-hmm. or two yeah, and a half, yeah, basically. I've been thinking about that a lot. Um, it's... Um, the only it's the only problem is um, the bit that's um, the part of a history that's very important uh, is uh, nothing face Andrew rat and outer limits and these uh, are on the universal and they're really reluctant to give up the masters yeah or release it, release anything physically they made everything available online um, on all the legit platforms, but um, uh, as for uh, doing a, a vinyl or a CD, um, they're super reluctant. Um, many people tried to, even, even major labels tried to get them to uh, license uh, the, the material, but I don't know. Uh, so that's, I mean, still working on it, but um, I've been thinking about a box set a lot uh, lately. Um, because all the other material is easy to license, but uh, this uh, specific part between eighty nine and ninety one, uh, ninety three, sorry, um, it's it's a bit more. It's more of a Kafka scenario for this this just tiny bit. Um, so, but we'll see. It'd be great, actually. Yeah. And I also have a lot of um, obscure material that uh, we never released. You know, I'm trying to make it available as. Um, reissues are going with like bng re-released the noise reissue so i gave them a whole all the iron gang demos from the 80s and so um, uh, i'm trying to make everything available so, so hopefully uh, something happens with a, a box that we only had a we we had one best of i think it was in 92 so right. <laughs> it's a long time ago right and and there's also a third as I understand it, there's also a third Eric Forrest album that was never released, right? Or something like that? Yes. Um, I have a mix down that Piggy did, but, but it's only demos. And um, 
a lot of it was recorded. I mean, the the, the drums and guitar uh, were recorded when Eric was still at, uh, in the hospital uh, in Ontario. Um, but uh, finally, he recovered enough, so uh, he came back to Montreal and did the bass and vocals. And uh, Piggy did the mix down. We were going to record it with uh, Steve Albini. Um, and um, it was, I think, the... Uh, the end of 2000 when um, we sort of I don't know got disillusioned Piggy and I and decided to split the band and um, it was not uh, and uh, this was put aside that that uh, that album um, I always thought I could release it on a, uh, with a DVD of the shows we did in the 90s like the Dynamo Fest and and nothing really uh, panned out, so I'm think I'm thinking maybe uh, last the last couple of weeks I've been thinking about uh, putting it up on Bandcamp. So maybe I'll do that. I think that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. I would have to do it uh, on uh, by myself. With, with there, there there would be no label um, involved or anything like that. I, I, I think I'm going to wait a bit because uh, I don't want to confuse things with right. Uh, right. with the live album. And if I do something like that, I, I, uh, I might get a, a word from Centrum Media saying, oh, uh, hold on, you know, right, uh, right, wait right. a bit. Or so, uh, But definitely, um, uh, um, I think it'd be the best option for me because I, um, people lately, people have been asking a lot about it online and uh, people want to hear it. it. It's based on the album was based on Eric's rec- recovery, and um, and it, it was uh, also um, uh, a chapter of the Voivod saga, and it was supposed to be the closing uh, chapter. And uh, so um, people really want really want to hear it. It's twelve songs and power trio and uh, so. Uh, except that it's all, these are only demos. And I, I talked to Steve Albini back then um, on the phone, and he was a huge fan of Voivod. He said he had nothing face um, uh, uh, at his house and on cassette in his car. And <laughs> it was funny. And um, so um, uh, it just said that it, it's one of my main regrets uh, through this 37-year uh, career that we never got to uh, finish that album, really. Now that you mention it, I remember hearing something that you had planned on working with Steve Albini. I don't remember if it was at the time. Uh, yeah, we, I, we, um, I was a big fan of everything that he uh, he did uh, musically and also everything that he produced. So uh, I, I thought we could sound really good uh, with him and uh, he thought the same. And so it's just uh, just sad. Um, so uh, uh, the, so the, only thing, the only thing existing is... Uh, a CDR uh, mixed down on a CDR from Piggy, uh, which I have to, uh, which is uh, w- with all the Voivod archives right now. Right. Hopefully, you have that backed up into some drive somewhere. <laughs> <That's> just- <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think um, actually uh, um, uh, our manager uh, has a copy as well. It, uh, it's on. So- he says it's on some sort of mini CD. Uh, that Piggy uh, mailed to him uh, to, uh, back then in Toronto. Right, and you you probably have a hard time finding a player that can play that thing or or that yeah, can yeah. It's, it, it's true. I personally I don't know where I could play that. 
Um, <laughs> perhaps Steve Albini could mix it or something or do something to the... That's not really... Uh, it's, a, well, the sad part is um, P- uh, Piggy recorded on a 64-track rolling uh, uh, digital machine, you know, and uh, he, it died. So uh, we lost all of the tracks, but he had done a mix down on a CDR, and that's that's that that's all we have. Oh, so we can't really okay. re, that we can't remix or anything. That's the sad part. Okay, okay. We can only ma- we can only master it into uh, something maybe a bit better. Okay, but so it, it, it's uh, better than nothing, I guess. So so that brings me to the to the to the live album. You know, obviously mm-hmm. you've talked about this before. When you bec- when you have a large enough catalog, it's difficult to to choose. You know, which albums. Uh, you're going to draw from or, or or not which albums you're going to draw from it's difficult to try and encompass the whole career and you obviously can't please everybody but you know for you guys it's like you're if you skip over the Eric Forrest Jason Newstead periods that's five mm-hmm. albums off the bat that you really don't touch um, barely and so yep. right there that's like a huge chunk of your catalog and then there's not much from Angel Rad and Outer Limits either you know I, I know you touch on those um, but yeah. we 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 touched on the first let's say seven albums, um, and then uh, sometimes we play Forlorn from the Eric Forrest um, era, and then um, um, we sometimes play um, Global Warning and Treasure Chase from the Jason era. Um, we um we focus mainly on the um again from Warren Payne to Outer Limits and the newer material with the latest lineup. Sure, sure. Yeah. And so th- this was a complete show it sounds like and then you decided to yeah. put it out after. So you didn't conceive of it first as like let's make a set list for our second official live album. It wasn't like that. Oh, no, absolutely not. We we um we did a long, almost two years uh, long tour for The Wake. This was uh, in the middle of the tour. And uh, since we were playing um, uh, in our home of uh, Quebec, the province of Quebec, we had uh, access to a mobile studio. Um, Francis, uh, who does the, uh, our albums these days, um, he came uh, with uh, recording gear. So we were able to uh, to multi-track both shows, uh, Montreal and Quebec City. Uh, so um, the, it was intended for a release eventually, but we didn't plan the set list as a best of or anything like that. Um, the, uh, the I mean, f- from when we released the wake to. Um, uh, Christmas uh, around Christmas last year, the the set list morphed a lot, um, but um, it just happened that that's the songs uh, we were playing at that specific time. So okay, so those are the just that just happened to be the set list that that uh, yeah, it's it's just that being on in the middle of a world tour, uh, we were really really um, on fire and tight and and also very pleased to play in front of families and friends, and uh, so I had uh, we had um, 
good memories of uh, that show and we we were pretty convinced it could uh, it could be uh, released and then uh, but when we listened to both both shows uh, we thought the Quebec City show was particularly um, well played and the vibe was great so uh, we sort of released a, a couple of tracks from the Montreal show on the end of Dormancy EP but the uh, the Quebec City uh, show is complete. It's the the whole set. Okay, and so you said the set list morphed a lot. How how typical is that uh, in your recent years of changing things oh, around? Yeah. How typical is it that you change things around the, the set list? Well, it's uh, it's something we love to do, and um, uh, because uh, again we we toured a lot for the week and. Uh, uh, at, uh, ma- many times we had the c- two set lists uh, on, on uh, for one tour, so we can alternate from one night to the other, which is great for some people who will follow us for a few shows, you know. And um, so um, we and we like to uh, uh, the way we work is we'll have a, a set list and then we'll say, okay, we've played overreaction a lot the uh, the, the last years, you know, so. Let's find another track on the same album that we could replace it with, and so we move like that, you know. And um, so we try to cover um, a big part of our career and not focus too much on one album. And um, and we love to uh, to switch songs uh, because uh, if you play the same set for two years, uh, it's going to show uh, in the end. Um, the the energy won't be the same at all, you know. So um, we we try to keep it fresh as much as possible, and we also want people to uh, when they come to see us to enjoy a different show every year or every 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 few months, and um, it's just fun to work that way. So now at this point um, where you're looking back on your whole legacy, especially having been at home <laughs> these last several months, um, mm-hmm. when you were part of this ascending movement in the in the late 80s, when that was getting a lot of press, that was getting a lot of attention, bands were having gold and, you know, even platinum records you know, I experienced that in real time. And I'm just curious from your point of view, how exciting, how excited were you to be, to be part of this along with, with, with all these other bands? Yeah, it was really, um, it was really, really exciting to be part of the trash metal movement. And I'm, uh, these days I'm impressed with, uh, how fast it happened without the internet, just trading cassettes and fanzines, you know. And um, uh, so, I mean, we all got into the new wave of British heavy metal in 1980, and then 
maybe less than two years later, we had Venom, and then right after Slayer, and so, and all of a sudden, we're part of this community, and we're touring around the globe with Celtic Frost, Creator, Destruction, Possess, and and we and we were all like twenty years old. So, um, it's it was really really exciting, and um, it became very important, and. Um, I think it still is. The trash metal movement is still very popular these days. Right. It's it sort of fell out of currency and then came back into currency and now mm-hmm. seems like it's almost permanently I mean not that anything's permanent, but it it seems like it's now got this um it's been back in currency for quite a while now. Yes, um and since we reformed in two thousand eight, um after the unfortunate passing of uh, Piggy in 2005, um, we pretty much focused, uh, Jason, Snake, and I, on uh, finishing up uh, 14 and Infini, which we had started in 2004. So um, anyhow, we were asked to uh, reform for uh, the festival uh, Heavy Montreal in 2008. Um, and... Um, w- even then, the trash metal. We were impressed uh, about the trash metal movement still uh, being alive, but it just kept getting more popular and more popular and more popular as uh, as uh, the last few years uh, moved on. And so uh, now it's you know it's like uh, there is a category of classic trash metal that we. We have jumped in somehow, uh, where we are asked to share stages with our friends from way back, Testament, Exodus, and uh, Creator, uh, and everywhere around the globe, Sepultura, and um, and there are tons of kids into it. They dress like we did back then, and uh, it's really, uh, really, uh, it's really cool. And uh, we are we. Always chat when whenever um, we meet. You know all these pe- all these people, all all these people we toured with uh, in the eighties, and we're still playing with these days. We we are we chat about the fact that trash metal is still relevant, and I think that's because we talked about the destruction of this planet back then. So um, it, it still makes sense today, I think. Hmm. So Chewie and Rocky obviously took over for players who had very distinctive styles of playing that were crucial to the musical makeup of the band. And, you know, it's like they're almost expected to play like Piggy and Blackie, the guys they replaced. Um, I mean, by listeners, there's, there's, there's an element that the listeners sort of expect. How much room do they have to be themselves when they're reinterpreting that old stuff? Oh, they have uh, all the room they want or need, you know. Uh, I don't even, we don't even, dis- we don't even discuss that really, but I mean, in terms of uh, writing new music, they can really uh, do what they want and uh, they don't have to focus on emulating past albums or, um, I know that the fact that Rocky and Chewie uh, they like all eras of Voivod, so they are ingredients of all the eras of Voivod, but there is a new twist to it where we sort of um, 
we, it's almost fusion trash metal and uh, it's very challenging for me I love it we're back to prog mode and so there's no boundaries um, uh, everybody's free to uh, um, interpret also the um, uh, older material as they wish uh, but they seem to uh, keep the spirit uh, intact so um, and the signature of Voyevada intact but it's um, um, it, it's it, it was always the same with uh, all the. I was part of all five lineups of the band. Right. Every, everybody was always free uh, with Jason. It's an, another approach, which more like Geezer Butler or Stoner Rock, Stoner Metal, and uh, uh, so it made me play differently, which I love. With Eric, was more of a Fear Factory Meshuga uh, approach, and um, uh, I, and I love adapting as well and um, uh, so now it's um, uh, more intricate material we are writing and uh, it, it keeps me uh, alert where does your relationship with uh, Eric Blackie and Jason stand where where are those relationships now um, I'm yeah. With um, I'm not really in touch. Um, uh, in this, I mean, it's it's. Um, I guess it's uh, a way to move on. Uh, I. Um, hmm, that's a tough question. Uh, um, with um, Eric, I um, once in a while uh, I chat a bit on the messenger. Um, uh, uh, Jason, uh, I give him a call once in a while, uh, especially when it's his birthday and so on. And um, uh, Blackie, though, I don't know his whereabouts. Um, um, so uh, I'm more, uh, I'm really more uh, focused on the moment right now with um, Rocky and Chewie and Snake, where the chemistry, the energy, the camaraderie is um, really uh, at the top and. Um, Things, great things can can happen when you don't give up and you, you move forward. And and uh, it, it happened to us with the Wake and the Juno Award and all that. And I'm just enjoying what's going on uh, right now. Sure, sure. I mean, it, yeah. but this is like sort of the second time you've been estranged from Blackie. You were before, and then he came back, and now you know it's, it seems like that's the the way it is again. But um. I watched an interview with uh, the the Banger YouTube channel. They're Canadian-based um, Overkill reviews, and um, they they did a like a retrospective review where one of their hosts said that uh, you know Dimension Hatred she considers it the the greatest Canadian heavy metal album of all time, and there were some interview clips in there where you said one of the things you're most satisfied with is the way that album influenced bands outside of metal like Slint and Sonic Youth. Earlier this year, Greg Sonier from the band Deerhoof released a, a solo acoustic version of the whole Angel Rat album, also on Bandcamp. And I was curious. Yeah, which was great. Y- yeah, I was curious how aware you were of that. And, and oh, uh, actually, um, uh, he was gracious enough to uh, ask permission. And, um, uh, and I'm a big fan of Deerhoof, so I was blown away by, by the whole thing. It really did show 
you know, when I read his description that he said that he thought the songwriting was so great that um, he want he thought it would serve it well to translate it to just solo acoustic. You know, I was a little skeptical when I read that, and then I listened to it and I said, "Wow, it really does highlight the songs." Because I think for Voivod fans, you know, they would approach it for looking for this sort of uh, musical stimulation, like the chops and the prog and the arrangements and things like that. But I was very surprised at how he kind of cut to the bone and showed mm-hmm. something about that record that that um, put, put, cast new light on it. Yeah, it's true, and um, it, it's um, I'm myself um, sort of impressed that we were able to write such a, a pop metal album. I think, in terms of catchiness, uh, um, Angerat is uh, the top of what we achieved, um, and um, uh, it's just that. Uh, it really went unnoticed when it came out. Uh, nobody really cared at all. Uh, and um, uh, nowadays, it has been rediscovered, and it's some people's favorite album. But um, back then, um, uh, all eyes were turned on Seattle. So um, uh, we've pretty much... Um, um, we didn't really tour for this album or, you know, it was uh, uh, Blackie left for the first time and so it was sort of a, a strange period for Voivod. Um, that, that it's a strange... Um, all, uh, we were talking about Melancholy uh, before. I think it's the most melancholic Voivod album, this one. Right, and I've talked to you about that before um, where I interviewed you years ago where you said that um, you know you were working with Terry Brown and disappoint or it wasn't really going the way you had hoped in at while you were working on it, but you you decided to push through and that must have been a, a very because I know in 89 90 the hopes for the band the band was getting a lot of was very visible the profile was was very high around nothing face and that must have been a difficult, sudden turn of events where, you know, to go from how much the band was being talked about in 89-90 to when uh, Angel Rad came out. Yes, uh, of course, because, I mean, in 1990, we're touring with Fate No More, Soundgarden, Rush, and then 91, um, you know, uh, the... the um, Everybody is waiting for Nothing Face Part 2, and we release Andrew Rat, which is totally what was not expected at all by anybody. And uh, we, we've always evolved on a parallel dimension for Yvonne, and which sometimes is not connected to what's going on in the mainstream. And uh, But this album was... Um, uh, it, it was just ignored, and we... Um, um, we decided to... Um, write uh, The Outer Limits and move on without touring that much except for uh, some shows in Quebec uh, and uh, Ontario. And um, uh, then we uh, we did um, The Outer Limits. And this also, uh, uh, when we did The Outer Limits, uh, uh, people were still uh, really focused on indie, uh, indie rock and uh, grunge, and and uh, but we uh, for the other li- other limits we started touring, 
again and um, we realized that we ha we still had a crowd and especially in Europe where things hadn't changed at all uh, we played big festivals and big clubs and so um, um, somehow we sort of um, escaped the fate of many metal bands uh, I mean before um, uh, let's say far beyond driven by Pantera where they were going we're fucking metal and if you have a problem with it fuck off and all that you know and uh, this sort of they were f um, uh, some of the bands were still uh, has still had the metal flag uh, high you know and uh, so it, uh, with Fear Factory and uh, uh, machine head and all of a sudden the metal is back but for a couple of years it had a very low profile but um, there were some alternative metal bands like Tool going and, and somehow uh, people connected Voiva to that so we still had people from um, different scenes coming to the shows and so somehow we were uh, I think the people into Voiva are really loyal so all through these years uh, we've been able to rely on these people. Uh, it really keeps us going, really. Sorry about that. Looks like we got disconnected. <laughs> Not <true>. Yeah, <laughs> um, we are disconnected. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Hey, thanks for listening all the way to the end of this episode. If you'd like direct email announcements for when the next part of this interview posts, as well as other full-length interviews from my archive that spans 20 years, of course you can hit the subscribe or follow button on whatever platform you're listening to. But your best bet is to subscribe to my Substack at feedbackdef.substack.com. Everything I post up there is accessible for free, and whenever I post an interview like this one, I always include a bunch of extras on the Substack post, like video clips, photos, and a bunch of my own musings and personal stories related to the interview. You also get all of my other essays and links to my published articles. That's feedbackdef.substack.com. Again, many thanks. For Feedback Def, I'm Sabi Reyes-Kulkarni, over and out. <laughs>